Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wendy's is giving you a chance to win cash. Head to a participating Wendy's, snap a pic when you try the new homestyle French toast sticks, and post it on social using the hashtag Wendy's French Toast Stick Sweeps or log on to Wendy's French Toast Stick Sweeps.com. Wendy's new homestyle French toast sticks are crispy on the outside, fluffy on the inside. They're so good, they're the best thing to ever happen to breakfast. No purchase necessary. See rules at Wendy's French toast stick sweeps.com. Sweepstakes end September 11th, 2022. All right, what's up, what's up? Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, GC Live. Wednesday episode of the show as we roll on towards this versus Auburn matchup. And Chris, uh, we're very, very, I would say, excited to be joined, man. Our, our guests so far, as far as the, uh, you know, guys who cover other teams that have joined us, I would dare say have been fantastic because I judge that by, hey, did I learn something new? And I felt like every single person we've had that has come on to talk about South Carolina's opponent for a particular week has actually taught us something maybe that, that we didn't know. So today we'll have Brian Matthews, AuburnSports.com. He'll be joining us at about 2.15 Eastern time, and uh, he'll, of course, give some Auburn perspective and, and sort of talk about this matchup. And uh, then after that, Chris and I will sort of delve in maybe to some things that, that we learned maybe some new things that, that he talked about and some key matchups as we roll along towards this game. Again, GC Live, of course, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all the major podcast platforms. Please hit the share buttons, hit the like buttons, and uh, subscribe if you're on YouTube. We are, of course, brought to you by AffordableMedicalUSA.com, home of the game day chair. Chris, before we get rolling, why don't you tell everybody about the game day chair and how they can get hooked up with one. Yeah, so if you're checking out games at home this year, like so many of us all are, make sure you check out the game day chair. You know, you've got your fridge, you've got the comforts of your home, your AC, your heat, which you'll need soon, your beverages, your food. Add the comforts of the game day chair. What is the game day chair? It is the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight Technology. So go to AffordableMedicalUSA.com. They've got a little search bar. Search for the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight, Power Pillow, Lumbar Support, super roomy, super comfortable chair. We've already got several people who have inquired about it who are really interested in getting one. Had one yesterday saying that uh, I think it was Rob who is deployed right now, saying that he's been promised one for Christmas. So that is a pretty awesome Christmas gift. Uh, if you're on YouTube, check out the link right in the description for the game day chair. You can go get more information there or on GamecockCentral.com right in the little module for GC Live. So appreciate their support. Make sure you check out those guys. Chris, so, all right, we've started to sort of turn the page into this game. I, I guess we're still on the site doing some coverage back at, at Vanderbilt, some of those deeper dives, but we, we've turned the page here. What would you say as we sort of get ready for, for Brian, is there anything about this Auburn team you're most looking forward to learning 
uh, from Brian as we uh, sort of find out a little bit more from the inside of that program. Yeah, so for me, a couple things come to mind. The first is Gus Malzahn earlier this week talked about some of the guys that they had been missing, you know, due to injury or whatever it may have been. He expected, Gus Malzahn said, for a lot of those guys to return to practice on Tuesday. So want to see if BMAT has any insight into which guys are back or could be back. Um, K.J. Britt, obviously, their really talented linebacker, is probably still out. It looks like he had a thumb surgery. But they're missing some other guys against Arkansas that have been really important for them. Jalen Simpson, one of their corners. Wes, remember, we saw him in camp. Uh, he and Jay Sean Sheffield. Um, in camp a couple or a few years back, you know, he was one of the guys there. He's been a good player for them. Sean Shivers, another guy we saw at South Carolina's camp back in the day, a uh, really fast player. He missed the last game. Um, they had a few guys out in terms of depth defensively. They One note that I saw that Jay, Ch- Jay Tate dropped on AuburnSports.com, the publisher, uh, he, he said that I think all of their guys in the secondary played every snap. You know, they didn't rotate any guys. I think they played 77 defensive snaps in the game. They're expected to get some more depth back. So for me, the question of availability, getting some guys back, and then just diving into some of the individual matchups. You know, what what are the strengths of this Auburn team? What are some of the weaknesses? I think we know some of the strengths are the skill position guys, right? Tank Bigsby running back, Shivers if he's available, Anthony Schwartz, maybe the fastest player in the country. But are there some other strengths that maybe not, we're not talking about and what are the areas in which they've struggled? Those are the things that I think we can watch the games a little bit surface level, but just diving in deeper with somebody that sees them all the time. I, I've sort of always been a little intrigued by Gus Malzahn and the perception of him as an offensive mind, the perception of him as a, as a head coach, and, you know, of his offenses. I, I feel like Malzahn came into this league as sort of the offensive guru. You know, you even heard some people, genius gets thrown around, you know. And and when he's had the right people, his offense has been very difficult to stop, I, I feel like. Now, obviously, you and I don't watch Auburn every week. I generally am only watching Auburn. A, if they're playing a big-time matchup, or B, you know, and and South Carolina obviously hasn't played them since 2014, so there was no real, hey, I need to watch this team to get ready for for a Carolina game, you know, something like that. So, to me, Malzahn in this offense, from year to year, there's been like a very high level of variance where it's like some years they're really, really good offensively, and then some years, I, I my perception is that they're they're pretty bad offensively. I kind of my my perception is that Gus is a is a good football coach. Now, you start reading, you know, I was reading on AuburnSports.com, looking at what some of their fans were saying, Chris, and there's a lot of people over there who really would like to see Gus gone, you know, and see somebody else there. And, you know, th- this is a guy that has what won, won the national title as as their OC mm-hmm. and what taking you to the national title as a head coach. Right. Against against uh, Jameis Winston and FSU. Was that the one? I believe that yes. was. 
Yeah. And has, I would say, man, um, had as, as good, has done as good of a job as anybody has against Nick Saban. If you just look at how Auburn has matched up with Alabama compared to how everybody else in the league has matched up. So I'm, you know, I, I'm, I, I think Gus is, is a good coach. The perception I get from now, is that just fringe people? Is that the way their entire fan base feels? At some, sometimes you're just ready for a change. I feel like if a coach is at a place for long enough, eventually a lot of people sort of just turn on them. I mean, you can go to Alabama's website and people, you know, are complaining about Alabama's defense against Ole Miss. And yes, you know, it was a struggle, but. I mean, how many national titles has Nick Saban brought Alabama? So it's it's interesting to me that they're the perception of Gus Malzahn. And I, I don't know how you feel, Chris, as far as – where is Gus Malzahn for you as far as how good of a head coach is he? So the, the interesting thing about Gus, it's, it's almost – it's a little bit like the thing with the crazy Auburn games that we talked about yesterday. Like every year – there's a, all right, Gus is on the hot seat, and then he has a good year. And then it's like Gus is on the hot seat, you know, and, and there are so many ebbs and flows. And you're right. I think people, because that national title game was in his first year, right? You know, that was in his first year as a head coach. They tied for first in the West. They went 12-1 and one in the regular season. They end up losing in the national title game. Very close game. Then he's eight and five, seven, six, eight and five, ten and four. You know, he's won the West or he's tied for the the, the uh, West divisional crown one other time. 2015 was obviously not a great year, seven and six, two and six in conference. But, you know, the last three years he's been ten and four, eight and five, nine and four. And so with, with a program like Auburn with that amount of tradition, you are going to get to a point when a guy's been there a while, just like you said, people are naturally going to say, let's try something else. I mean, I, I sort of understand it, right? Even if you're, I guess there, people want a little bit more at times. And in the SEC, where every week's a season, we've seen that at the school we cover. We see that at a bunch of other schools. We saw at Tennessee last year. Everybody wanted to run Jeremy Pruitt off. Then they reel off a bunch of straight games. Now everybody feels great about it. So I think it just it, it ebbs and flows like that. Um, I think Gus has done a good job. They haven't ever fallen off a cliff. They've been stable. Um, they've had they've turned in some really good seasons. They've turned in some big moments. You know, you think about some of the games that they've won, whether it's against Alabama, some other teams, crazy, crazy game against Georgia that year. Um, and a lot of schools, we've seen this with Arkansas, you know, made a run at Gus. And some other schools have either made a run at Gus or he's been suggested, hey, if you're trying to pluck a coach who maybe the fit isn't there anymore maybe you go try to pluck him because he's a guy that's actually proven some things. Right. So um, I think it is pretty fascinating, the perception. And I, I think it'd be a cool thing to ask Brian about just to sort of get his vibe on that. Yeah, definitely. And I, um, sorry, I was trying to read real quick. Um, and thanks to Kyle for alerting me there. I didn't realize Florida LSU, a little bit of breaking news here has officially been postponed. And Breck McMurphy coming in, Chris, saying Florida has 18 current scholarship players, three walk-ons, and two assistant coaches who have all tested positive for COVID, and that Florida would have less than 50 scholarship players available for Saturday's game 
which obviously is now postponed. So there you have it. Some unfortunate timing for Dan Mullen to be talking about packing the swamp, I think. And now a large portion of his team does have COVID as we see. Really, the SEC, I would say, has been fairly lucky to this point. And now we're seeing what's happened at Vanderbilt and then, of course, what's happening at Florida as well. And, uh, you know, just hope hope all hope all those kids are able to, you know, flush the virus quickly and, and be fine, uh, you know, like most kids their age are, and, uh, and that this can just be something that is a, a minor hurdle. But a little bit of breaking news there. For, for those teams, and we'll see when. I, I mean, that, Chris, potentially, I would think, I don't know who Florida has next week. The way quarantines are and contact tracing and stuff like that, that potentially puts you at risk for two weeks as well, wouldn't you think? Yeah, so Missouri next, I believe, for Florida, right after, you know, that LSU game. I think they're moving the, the uh, Florida-LSU game tentatively to December, I think December 12th. So, yeah, Missouri's next for Florida. And as everyone knows, or or if not, just a reminder, because I I had to remind myself earlier, I think it's 10 days of isolation for a positive and 14 days for a quarantine. So definitely, you know, definitely in jeopardy of that. Now, you know, did some guy, will some guys be okay in terms of testing by then? Will they have completed 10 days based on maybe they tested the Sunday after, Monday after? you know, the last game that Florida played, maybe it it would appear at a minimum, they're probably going to have to be down some guys at a minimum, right, for the Missouri game. But I guess we'll, we'll sort all that out and see. But yeah, they're, they're certainly in a, not in a great position with that. No doubt. So a little bit of breaking news here, Florida LSU officially postponed. And with that, we're going to go out now and uh, bring in Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com as we pull him up here on the stream. Brian, uh, first of all, can you see us? Can you hear us? And how you doing, man? Yeah, man. Y'all sound good. I can see y'all. This is great technology. I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. I, I appreciate it. We appreciate the time, as always. And um, we we don't get – South Carolina and Auburn, we, we don't right. – it never happens, it seems like. It's been a while. So glad to be able to catch up with you guys and, and sort of dive into this thing, man. So what's uh, what, what's the vibe been like in, in Auburn so far this year? Um I know it's different for everybody. Um, how's everything going at AuburnSports.com? Well, um, it's been tough on everybody, I think, just like the rest of the world, you know, being secluded, uh, not being able to hang out with your friends. And, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but part of the best thing about being a beat writer or, or a college football reporter is just being around the other reporters and hanging out and um, talking trash to each other and just, uh, you know, making fun of the coaches or, or whatever we do, you know, behind the scenes. So uh, I've really missed out on that. But um, from a football perspective, I'd say Auburn is, eh, you know, um, maybe not as good as fans want them to be. Probably in a similar vein to South Carolina. In fact, I think you could look at the SEC and see about six or seven teams in Auburn, South Carolina are in it, in my opinion. That could be six and four, maybe seven and three if they get catch all the breaks. Could be five and five, four and six. And there's going to be one of those teams that's three and seven. I know Auburn, South Carolina don't want to be that that team. So, it's just one of those years we don't have the, those three or four non-conference games to pad your schedule with, man. It's it's dog eat dog. 
So, Brian, we were talking about something right before you came on, and it was about Gus Malzahn, and we were talking about how – so this is a little bit more general, broad picture before we move into the game and those matchups. But Wes and I were discussing how the fan base has seemed, just from our view, sort of hot and cold on Gus, depending on the year. Um, and obviously there have been some ebbs and flows to the record and maybe how people think. What What's the current state of mind there with the fan base towards Gus Malzahn and just the rest of the coaching staff and sort of the state of the program there. Well, I think Gus Malzahn is a likable person. So I don't, I don't think there's a lot of like um, people just dislike him, but he's seven and 16 against Auburn's three biggest rivals, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. So it's hard to really love him. You know, when you have that record against the, the guy, the three teams that decide whether or not Auburn's competing for a championship or not every year um, has not uh, won any of those games on the road. He's, I think it's two and four or two and five bowl record, I think is what it is now. So um, from just a plain ones, wins and loss record, he's been good for Auburn, uh, but he hasn't been great. But you have to have that with the caveat that Alabama's as good as it's ever been. LSU's been pretty darn good. It's just come up one of the best seasons in college football history. And now Georgia is recruiting as good as anybody in the country. They've won three straight rivals recruiting team championships, whatever you want to call it. So uh, it's a much tougher place for Auburn to be in. Nobody plays a schedule like Auburn does in the SEC every season. Brian, so we're three games in. Like you said, I I mean, I it, it sort of feels like for the most part, all these SEC teams are just sort of beating up on each other. You've got close games, a big play here, a big play there, or a mistake here, a mistake there. Um, is a lot of times the determining factor in, in a lot of these games. So, you know, you're going – I'm looking through Auburn, obviously a 29-13 win against Kentucky. Struggle to do much offensively against, I think, a really good Georgia defense. And then, obviously, the, a very weird game last week with them holding on, hitting the big field goal against Arkansas. So, I guess it, the question is, is this Auburn team remotely what you – Thought that, like I said, like I was telling Chris, we we just we don't because South Carolina doesn't play Auburn. I don't think we have a great feel for even what the expectations were for this Auburn team coming in. Uh, is what you've seen close to what you expected so far, or far off, or or is it really hard to say? Just three games in, I'd say it's a little bit below expectations. Uh, my expectations. I felt alone that 2021 was a, a year that Auburn could be really good because they'll have a bunch of these guys back and they'll be mature. And, you know, Auburn's not a team that can reload every year. They sort of got to get good players and then let them develop. And eventually, you know, year three or four, they're pretty good. Um, but I think the reason to me they've underachieved is because I didn't expect them to be so bad at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I knew that um, losing Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson on the defensive line would be a hit. But Rodney Garner has done this for 30 years, and he's reloaded every year. And um, for whatever reason, the junior college guys have brought in have not worked out there. Uh, They're playing a couple of freshmen, true freshmen, at defensive tackle, a registered freshman, true freshman. They're they're a little bit undersized, so they get pushed around a little bit. Those guys are going to be really good players uh, by this time next year, but they're going to take their lumps this year. And then on the other side of the ball, I I knew Auburn's offensive line was going to be a struggle. I didn't think it'd be quite this bad, and they've been they've been sort of bad, especially at the tackle position. Solid at the guard position, but struggling at tackle and struggling a little bit at center too, even with returning starter there. Uh, so expectation wise, maybe a little bit um, worse than I thought, but you know, not not too far off. 
up front on that offensive line, I know Gus Malzahn has talked about some of the guys that were potentially going to be returning to practice this week. So Austin Troxel is supposed to yep. be back, right? How does that change the equation at tackle? Where will he slide in? Whose spot will he take? And can can that significantly improve their play up front? It could improve it. I don't know about significant. Um, I think he was sliding at left tackle, although he's played some right tackle too. So one of those two spots. Uh, he, and he was going to start uh, last week. He got hurt during practice, I think, on a Wednesday, I uh, guess said. So uh, that backed him up a little bit. But if you watch the Georgia game, any team that has a good pass rusher or two good pass rushers are going to give them problems. Even if Austin Troxel is good, you can just flip the guy over the other side. And, you know, Brodeer's ham, the right tackle, is a really good run blocker. He should be playing guard. He may be an NFL guard in the future, but he is not a tackle. Uh, he cannot block these fast edge guys, at least from what I've seen so far. So I think that's a big area to watch in this game is that pass rush how effective it is for South Carolina and what Auburn does to try to protect those guys, whether it's keeping a tight end there, whether it's doing something, you know, real quick to sort of um, avert that pass rush. I think that'll be a big part of, of the game to watch on that side of the ball. Brian, Gamecock fans are very familiar with Tank. Uh, Tank Bigsby, a guy that, that everybody here followed very closely in the recruiting process. And obviously Auburn winning that battle in the end. Uh, you know, he, he's played a lot, it, it seems, what I've, I've seen of, of Auburn. What's sort of been the evaluation of him so far? I know Auburn's been dealing with uh, the O-line trouble, but, I mean, it looks like Tank has sort of just hit the ground running and um, has, has sparked the offense, I guess, at times. Uh, he's become Auburn's best offensive player, or close to it. Uh, he had 146 yards against Arkansas, 268 all-purpose yards, which was a freshman record in just his third game. So I, I think as a true freshman, he's sort of taken that position now, and it's his, and he's going to be a weapon for Auburn on offense. Not saying he's perfect yet, uh, but what I like about him is he will break tackles and get yards after contact, which with Auburn's offensive line, you, you really need a guy that could do that effectively. And he's really good at it. Um, he runs over, he runs through people with his thighs, which is a, a really interesting thing to see a true freshman do that. It's just not what you expect. So he's pretty powerful, but you can see he's still got some growth in him and he's going to be a much better player as a, as a sophomore and junior. But, uh, he is a good, talented young back, one of the better players Auburn's signed over the last few years. Brian, when when you look at the overall health, uh, we we talked about the tackle situation, the offensive line situation. How's Auburn's health, as far as we know, in, in this crazy year, going into this game at the other spots with you know Shivers and some of the guys that they had out last week in the secondary who could potentially play roles? Are there any significant guys that are out or coming back? Yeah, Shivers was a starting tailback. I think he's back this week if not next week but you know he's like a 5-8 um you know quick guy fast guy uh I, I don't think he's a starter anymore so I'm not sure that makes a big impact either way helping out the passing game maybe uh Auburn will be without KJ Britt for you know at least another month I think he had thumb surgery he's Auburn's big inside linebacker first team all SEC guy he's that run stopper inside uh so they're playing um Owen Popo and, and Zacob McLean uh two of those um I would call them, you know, almost Will Muschamp type linebackers, maybe a little bit undersized, really quick and fast, tough kids, but, you know, not the best guys to, you know, stick their nose up in there and, and take on a 225-pound back in the hole there. So uh, we'll see how effective that is. Um, they've been real thin in the secondary. Uh, their two safeties and two quarterbacks had to play all 77 snaps against Arkansas. 
but it looks like they're getting back Jalen Simpson, who started at cornerback uh, week one, was SEC freshman of the week, really good young player. And they may get Jordan Peters to back up safety, so they may be a little bit uh, better off back there. But um, I think injury eyes are better this week. Big Cat Bryant should be back. He's the all SEC defensive lineman, although I don't, I've never considered him to be an impact type player, just a guy with a lot of experience as a senior. Um, so they're better off, not 100%, but definitely better than they were a week ago. So, sounds kind of like what South Carolina has dealt with, um, at least in the secondary a couple of years ago. I mean, just not ideal when those guys have to play so many snaps. Yep. So at least I think from a depth standpoint for Auburn, getting some guys back in the secondary would have to be welcome, you know, for those guys on that side of the ball. So, I, and Brian, I don't know how much you've had a chance to dive into sort of South Carolina or not, but what are a couple of matchups going into this game? You can take it as deep or as broad as, as you would like. Are there are there some matchups, you know, that you sort of already have maybe circled and said Auburn has to win this battle or Auburn can't lose this battle as far as this game goes? Well, I think when you look at South Carolina's off, offense, I think they've got a quarterback who can sling it pretty good. They've got a really good running back, one of the better ones at the SEC, and they got a receiver that can make some plays. So that brings some balance uh, to their attack, in my opinion. And you look at Auburn – they can take maybe one thing away, but in order to do that, they've got to um, take chances elsewhere. They can't rush the passer with just four guys. Uh, they just don't have that premier pass rusher, that, that edge guy they've had, you know, a few years ago. They haven't really had one the last couple of years. So that means if they want to pressure quarterback, they're going to have to bring a, a fifth guy or a sixth guy. And uh, their nickel, Christian Tutt, is a pretty good player, but he is not um, – great in man coverage he's been picked on a lot he's been targeted a lot and I, I think that's something you'll probably see South Carolina do a, a lot of so on that side of the ball I, I, I think the biggest concern is South Carolina being um, able to do a lot of different things and if they can establish a run which they probably can uh, then being able to play action make some big plays against Auburn I think that's a possibility for South Carolina on that side of the ball uh, defensively I don't know a lot about South Carolina I think they may have lost maybe their best pass rusher is that right yeah, their their best guy in the middle certainly, uh, Ken Law, uh, yeah. probably their best defensive lineman last year. Yeah, uh, that probably hurts them a little bit, but Auburn's offensive line is not going to you know blow anybody off the ball. At, at the best, they can hope for is you know a, a stalemate, so to speak. And if South Carolina has some guys that come off the edge, you know that are that are good, uh, they're going to cause Auburn a lot of problems. So uh, I'm sure Auburn's going to try to find a way to you know, do something different against Arkansas. They put the tight end out wide to try to, um, you know, depopulate the box and, and give uh, uh, give tanks some running room. They'll probably try to do some different things uh, against South Carolina. I don't, know, I don't know how they'll scheme it up, but I think their, their um, plan is going to be to find a way to get that ball to tank now and then open things up from there. Brian, I've, I've looked back at one of Auburn's games earlier this year against Kentucky because, you know, Kentucky's thought of as a team that has – Pretty good defense, a team that can run the ball. They got a mobile quarterback, which South Carolina won't feature this week. But thought it was an interesting game with the scoreline. You know, Auburn winning, I think twenty nine to thirteen. Some of Kentucky's stats, you would think, in the game would would have led to a closer game. What was the recipe for success for Auburn in that game that could, you know, carry over to a game like this? Was it just turnover margin mainly? Was that the big thing in that game, or? or yeah, you know, what I are some of the trends? He had three turnovers. Yeah. Uh, which really killed them in the second half. I mean, just destroyed their ability to come back there or to, or to sort of punch back when Auburn was scoring there. Um, 
I, I would say that Auburn's been fortunate. Uh, the turnovers, uh, Arkansas, you know, you, everybody's seen that play at the end of the game, right? That should have been a fumble. Uh, but, you know, the rest of the whistle, and there's nothing they can really do after that. Um, but then, you know, you also look at that game. Arkan, uh, Auburn, uh, first touchdown was on a block punt for a touchdown. And uh, there was a time from the end of the second half through that final um, drive that Arkansas had where they scored every time except for the the one where they got the ball with just a few seconds left going into halftime. So they scored, I think, on four or five possessions, just ran up and down the field on Auburn. So, you know, I think that's a big concern if, if you're Auburn's. Um, I, I got away from whatever your question was exactly, but I, I don't know if I answered it or not there. But No, you did. No, just looking for some of the general trends, you know, that you've seen from this team this year and how they could play into, you know, the, the yeah. game this weekend and some of the keys for them, yeah. I don't think they're going to overpower South Carolina or anybody on their schedule other than maybe, well, they don't play Vanderbilt. but So it's going to have to be a game that's going to be back and forth. They're going to have to make a, a, a play on special teams or, or turn the ball over uh, to really help them win or secure a win. If, if Auburn's going to do that, I, I would not be surprised if South Carolina won, to be honest. Yeah, from what we saw to Vanderbilt, Auburn should make some moves to get them on the schedule yeah. this year, yeah. um, honestly. Uh, so about the final thing I got, Brian – Bo Nix, obviously, you know, I, I sort of paid attention to him in recruiting just because he and Ryan Helensky were both right up there in the rankings in that same class. Super highly recruited guy, five-star. What's sort of been, I guess, the trajectory for him? Has he made the strides from last year to this year that are needed, or is it still just sort of a, a work in progress with uh, Bo? Well, I have a little contrary uh, opinion on him. I think Bonick's a special quarterback. I mean, I, I really do. I think he's going to play on the next level. I think he's going to be successful. Uh, but he hasn't really shown that to a large extent this year. I think partly because uh, the offensive line has struggled. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you've seen in times, it's not just that he's always getting pressure, which he does a lot, but now he's gotten to the point where he stops trusting the offensive line. So he's feeling pressure sometimes, even when it's not there. And that makes it really difficult for him mm-hmm. to, uh, function as, as well as he can. And, I, you know, I think you add in a brand-new offense um, and not having spring practice, I still think they're in the process of sort of developing things between him and Chad Morris and, and the offense. and the So I, I just think it's um, sort of like a, a puzzle that just hasn't not been put together yet, you know. It's just got certain parts done. Uh, other parts are just not, not together yet. And I, I don't think they're ready to put it all together this week either. I think it's going to be – Let's find a few things that we do good and see if, see if it'll work. That, that's all I've got for Brian. I think really appreciate the time, man. Really appreciate the insight on Auburn. Uh, really looking forward to the game this weekend. It should should be a good one. Think we should it should be a close one. Yeah, I think so too. So, yeah, are, are you guys uh, are y'all traveling, Brian, or or not? Uh, I'm probably not going to travel at all. Um, we do have an intern who travels um, with the student paper, so he'll be there. And really, the only reason to travel is for pregame, right? To see who shows yeah. up, you know? Yeah. So um, I'll be watching here, and I'll probably see you get some of you guys on Zoom afterwards, maybe in the in the press conferences. So Awesome. Cool. Well, good stuff, Brian. We appreciate it, man. Oh, I want to say one more thing. Uh, will Muschamp, Bobby Bentley, uh, T-Rob, both have, have been at Auburn, worked at Auburn. T-Rob played at Auburn. Uh, three of the best coaches I, I've, I've, I've had a chance to meet personally and just wanted to um, send my regards. I know they're not actually watching, but just wanted to say how much I've, I've enjoyed uh, getting to know them uh, in the past. So, um, you know, y'all, y'all guys take care. And all South Carolina folks out there, I hope it was a terrific game. And 
you know, we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, as I say, we don't know that they're not watching. They they should right. be really right. bored right now it. watching. I, if they are, y'all y'all need to get back to work if you're watching yeah. us right now. So uh, yeah, Brian, good stuff, man. We really appreciate it, and uh, y'all stay safe out there. And uh, hopefully, it'll be a good game Saturday. Okay, man. Look forward to it, guys. Yeah, Thanks, Brian. Uh, it's Brian Matthews, AuburnSports.com, talking about this big matchup on Saturday. And um, Chris, in- interesting for me, like I said before we got him on, um, we always learn something new. Cause the so so basically whenever we have guests on, they are our they're the version of us on the Rivals Network most of the time for whatever team South Carolina is playing, right? So with with Auburn, and, and I even with Chris Lee, as soon as he got off, uh, you know, last week, I was like, man, Carolina's going to kill Vandy. <laughs> and yeah, because it was obvious they had major problems offensively. Well, I'm not going to sit here and say South Carolina's going to kill Auburn because that's not going to happen. Right. This right. is going to be a fourth quarter football game. This is going to come down to who does something great or who does something dumb, honestly, late in this game. Because that's that's how it works when South Carolina plays Auburn. Weird stuff happens. Oh. And as you said earlier this week, Auburn can't help but get into weird games with people. I mean, <laughs> last week was super weird. But my biggest takeaway, my biggest – surprise was just how down and Brian being someone who sees this team on a, you know, all the time basis, just how down he was on their O-line and D-line. And that's what, you know, I've read that they had issues up front and we know, I mean, one of their studs from last year is starring for the Panthers already. We know, we know the talent they had at Auburn. But the way he talked, man, um, didn't really like Cartwright says it didn't. It didn't really give you a lot of confidence about this Auburn team. Yeah, I mean there are several factors. So it's it's some personnel losses, you know, on both sides of the ball. And the the really alarming thing for Auburn, I think, is is their play up front. Now, some of it is guys, you know, Big Cat Bryant's been out. They've had to play some young guys on defense. But if you're not playing well on the line of scrimmage or lines of scrimmage, it's going to be difficult to win games, right? Um, they beat Kentucky. And, and seriously, man, if you go back and look at sort of how that game played out against Kentucky, you look at 29-13, oh, man, that you know, took care of business. The difference was, as we talked about, turnover margin. If you, if you win the turnover margin 3-0 to zero and it's fairly evenly matched, you're going to win probably by multiple scores in almost all cases. And so – that's what happened there. You look at Arkansas. As Brian said, Arkansas was able to go up and down the field offensively some. Narrow victory there. Um, you know, Georgia caused a lot of issues. You know, they're going to cause a lot of people issues. They're going to cause everybody they play issues because they're so fast defensively. But that is another game in which we saw Auburn's offensive line, particularly on the edges, really struggle. Right. And so and then defensively, they haven't been as good as we have seen in the past with Kevin Steele. A lot of that's probably personnel losses and having guys out, um, you know, offensively, they're, they're in Chad Morris's first year there. Obviously, he has an offensive system that's proven to work, especially when you got really good players. But one thing we also know 
from the days with Chad Morris's team, you know, at Clemson playing South Carolina, is South Carolina was able to win those games and have success defensively by, and this isn't, you know, unique to Chad Morris's offense, but they were able to win up front. Clemson's five, couldn't block, South Carolina's four. And so we're seeing some of that at Auburn right now, even with really good skill guys and a talented quarterback. If you're not playing well up front, that makes it tough. So huge key in this game to me is line of scrimmage play for the Gamecocks. Win the line of scrimmage, limit explosive plays, and, um, you know, don't don't lose the turnover margin. Yeah, and I, and I, I kind of feel, kind like, of feel like an idiot, idiot right now, Chris, because I always forget one more thing I wanted to ask after, you know, they, they leave. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you were single and you you'd meet a girl and then you forget what you should have said and you remember like five minutes later. But I know it's been a long time since you were single, Chris. It's been, I guess, a year and a half since I have been as well. But I sort of I – sh- I wanted to ask what the dynamic has been like between Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn because you're always going to have questions with Gus about – who's actually calling the plays, who's actually designing the game plan for that week, and who's actually completely involved, you know, as far as, you know, what what's happening there. And, I mean, you, you've had people leave Auburn to go be offensive coordinators at, at other places that, in theory, would really, on paper, be a step down because they wanted to sort of get out of Gus's shadow. So, I and I don't know, have, have you read or seen anything about – Sort of, yeah. I mean, it sounds like Chad Morris is calling plays at least from what they've said publicly, yeah. right? Yes. Every appearance has been that, and from what we've seen and heard, is that Chad is running the show offensively. Now, it's Gus throwing some ideas in. I'm sure the thing that I think keep in mind there, and it is an interesting dynamic and would have been an interesting question, but, you know, those guys have similar backgrounds, right? Stuff that Will Buschett mentioned. So offensively, it's not like they're you know, on different pages, really. Sure, there's some things that, you know, as, as play callers, maybe they do differently. But Chad is apparently, you know, calling the plays and running the show. So um, it, it is a little bit different. And, and Gus has handled that. You're right. He's handled it differently at Auburn, sometimes letting a guy call it or maybe taking it over like midseason. We saw that, I think, with Brett Lashley, you know, that situation. So it, it has been – there have been some interesting dynamics at play there. All right, so if, if y'all got any questions, go ahead and throw them in the chat. I'm sure we missed some along the way. But, uh, Chris, I think the other thing that I'm thinking as far as matchups that just popped out to me was the size of Auburn's linebackers. And I and I, I don't even know off the top of my head how big, like Owen Papo. I mean, this, this kid is a freak athlete. Mm-hmm. And probably one of your best athletes at that position – I would dare say in the SEC. I, I mean, I remember hearing when this kid was in high school about just what a freakazoid he was. But it sounds like their linebackers are a little more on the athletic, fast, but not necessarily built for power running. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think really for me, that sort of – as the week goes on, you sort of formulate an idea of what's going to happen, what could happen – what should happen. And for me, lack of guys up front defensively for Auburn on the defensive line, plus Carolina 
which has sort of started to find an identity with Kevin Harris as the focal point of their running game and in some ways the focal point of the offense versus some linebackers who are maybe a little more built for speed and playing in space tells me that if you want to start to sort of dive into matchups, it's going to be when Kevin Harris and these line and these Auburn linebackers meet in the hole about three yards down the field. Yeah. Who wins those battles? I think. I would think that that's something that Mike Bobo and this offensive staff, you know, has taken a hard look at in terms of, okay, when you're, when you're looking at how to attack this team, um, you know, Brian mentioned on the program that, you know, the nickel Christian Tutt has been picked on some. I'm sure they're going to try to exploit some matchups, with Nick Muse and Shai Smith, but th- this team's sort of bread and butter, right, has been running the football. When they've been good offensively, they've been running the ball. Um, they haven't created as many explosive plays passing it, particularly downfield. And so they're going to look at that and say, can we get our big offensive linemen to the second level. And you're right. Zacoby McLean, I think, is six foot, about 215. Papo's 6'1, 215, 220, something like that. And so these guys are fast. I mean, watching them play this year, some too, you know, against Arkansas, they, they can fly around. They're, they can cause you some problems in space. But can you get on them and, and sort of move them out of the way and let Kevin Harris run to Sean Fenwick, maybe just to Quandre White? Can can Kevin Harris, as you said, break some tackles? I think he's going to have the opportunity to done that. He's done that against a lot of good players so far this year. Yeah, twenty. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, I was diving into some of their numbers today. Kevin Harris with twenty sort of forced broken tackles, basically forced missed tackles. I, I believe is how you would say it so far this year. Sixteen on runs, and I think four on receptions. Which tell, I mean, through three games. Pretty crazy. You're looking at almost seven per game. And that's actually, I think, second in the league behind, of course, Najee Harris, who is the only running back right now who is ahead of Kevin Harris in rushing yardage as well. So that that gives you a feel. And um, by the way, we've got an article I just posted. It's actually probably the longest article I've written in a long time on Kevin Harris on our front page right now and how he went from being a – guy with no Power 5 offers to having an offer from South Carolina and being the SEC second leading rusher. So would really appreciate it if y'all go check that out on GamecockCentral.com. Chris, what um what else do we have as far as any more thoughts that you have on, on what Brian had to tell us? Well, um, you know, one thought I had, I, I thought his shout-out to the, the coaching staff was cool. There are a bunch of ties. I was thinking about that after he said the, the ties that he – obviously he mentioned Muschamp. T. Rob and um, gosh, who did he mention? Uh, whoever Bobby. else? Yeah, Bobby Bentley, obviously at Auburn. There are more than that, though. I mean, Kyle Krantz was there with Muschamp as an analyst, now special teams coordinator and assistant secondary coach for the Gamecocks. Demarco McNeil, an analyst at Carolina, actually played at Auburn. Tracy Rocker, I'm I'm sure has coached at Auburn. No, he re- he really has coached at Auburn. Tracy Rocker's been there. Um, a couple another analyst or two on South Carolina staff. So a lot of a lot of carryover, a lot of ties. So some guys that have, you know, familiarity with each other. Um, you know, Bus Champ obviously is gonna have familiarity with the way that they do things at Auburn. 
with Kevin Steele, with, with Chad Morris. He knows those guys, knows how they operate. So I think it's a really compelling matchup, you know, in a lot of ways. And as we've said a bunch of times, expectation is a close game. You know, just I, I feel similar to how we felt going into Tennessee, right? Different different teams like Tennessee's got different strengths than Auburn does, got different weaknesses. Um, but I felt like that one was going to be a close game. And uh, I, I sort of have that same vibe going into this one. Dude, it really is kind of weird how many connections there are between these two programs considering they don't really play each other. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not some rivalry. It's not a game that happens all the time. But there are so many connections. You know, Muschamp's been there three times. Um you know, Chad Morris, obviously very familiar with South Carolina from his time in the upstate. So that that, that isn't it. I don't know if that's here nor there as far as how it actually affects the game. But it's still interesting. Like you said, I think compelling is a good way to say it, a good word for it. So we'll see. And I, we had a question, Chris, that said, I think, will this come down to who is the toughest maybe or who is the most physical I can't remember how it was said. I missed it. But I, I, I think that's maybe probably one of your top three or four or five things if, as you go in this game. Who Who is going to bring it every single play? And I know you could say that. I mean, honestly, when we start breaking down these games, a lot of this stuff you can say about any game. Who runs the football best? Probably has a better chance of winning the game. That's like a truism in football. But certainly when you look at some of the concerns – for Auburn right now on both sides of the ball, you look at some of the strengths of South Carolina. I think who has toughness is probably going to have a really good chance of winning this game because that because that translates to other keys that people will always point out, which would be third down conversions. Generally, if you can run the football, you're going to be pretty good on third down conversions because a you're getting in third down and makeable situations, and b you're converting your third and ones. You know, we talk about red zone and who's going to perform in the red zone is probably going to win the game. Well, guess what? Who runs the football better is probably who's going to have the most success, generally, not always, in the red zone, I think. Well, if you dive even further for this particular matchup, you have a struggling offensive line for Auburn, a struggling defensive line against a South Carolina. I would say offense that has also struggled at times to protect the passer for a multitude of reasons. It's not always on the O-line. But Chris has found something in the running game, particularly that match of Bobo and some of his old-school concepts and Kevin Harris, who really was sitting here hiding on the South Carolina roster, all five foot 10, 225 pounds of pure muscle of him, hiding on the South Carolina roster as possibly the perfect Mike Bobo scheme running back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly his emergence has been gigantic for this team. And, you know, going back to the keys, uh, you know, obviously I said, I said this earlier, trench play is going to be huge, particularly when you look at Auburn and say that might be an area that South Carolina can exploit. But I go back to, you know, third down defense. Another one you mentioned South Carolina's, been tremendous there you know even sitting at one and two that Tennessee I think was one of 11 Florida was four and not four of nine I think they didn't get into as many and then you had 
one of 12 at Vandy, you know, who didn't do much on offense aside from one or two drives. Um, But the Tennessee game, you you know, if you look at a Tennessee game, say, man, you held Tennessee to one of 11 or whatever it was, you probably won that game, but they didn't. And there are a couple issues there that I think could carry over to Auburn. One's explosive plays. You do look at Auburn, you worry about explosive plays because of Seth Williams at wide receiver, because of Tank Bigsby, his ability to break tackles, and because of a guy like Anthony Schwartz, who's lightning fast. You look at that and say, man, South Carolina's lost a few of those matchups from time to time. And in a game in which it's going to be, we think it's going to be close, you can't really afford to let Anthony Schwartz go 75 on you. You can't afford to let Tank Bigsby take a, you know, a third and two, and maybe you got him wrapped up and he he moves the chains and then they go create an explosive play or, or sustain a drive. So I think that's the key. And also tempo. You know, if Auburn gets rolling, they're, they're going to use some tempo. We've seen South Carolina have some issues against Tennessee on one of the drives with some of the runs. They got tempoed a little bit. So something that South Carolina is going to have to be aware of, you know, playing in space, winning one-on-one battles. Yeah, the, the battle in the trenches is certainly up up front is going to be key. But when you have opportunities to make those one-on-one plays, make them, win some of those battles, and then don't get out of alignment, don't get out of position, you know, when Auburn goes tempo or shows you some different things. Uh, so, final thing I got for you, Chris. I know you. I haven't watched SEC Inside. I know some of our uh, watchers were commenting about it in the chat. Um, what was there anything? I need to record it and go watch it. Was there anything from SEC Inside worth uh, talking about or worth noting that we didn't know previously? Well, we got to see some Mike Bobo in the booth, which I, I thought was cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have, have gone back. There are a couple productions that I think Georgia's like official athletics department did, like the 2011 or 2012 season where Mike Bobo was up in the booth at Georgia, and he was – man, he was fired up. Um, I think it was the Georgia-Tennessee game, which was a wild game that year. Lots of points on both sides. Georgia won. So it wasn't quite that exciting. It was, t- it was toned down a little bit, but just to hear Mike Bobo up in the booth you know, communicating with Will Muschamp. Um, there was a situation where it was where Colin Hill had the short fourth and inches keeper on the goal line and ended up getting it, you know, as soon as they, I think it was on the first down uh, when they got into the red zone, you heard Will Muschamp telling Mike Bobo on the headset, hey, you got four downs. Uh, they had the fake punt that Vanderbilt run, ran, and I don't know if that was cr- creative editing or it really all did happen, but you heard Derek Mason signing off on the fake punt and you heard Will Muschamp telling his team to watch for the fake punt. And then Jalen Foster goes and makes the play Foster and Kevion Mullins and the aftermath of that. So there, there were some neat sort of behind the scenes moments. So I would definitely recommend everybody check that out. All right. And also I have here, we're making this up on the fly, but I I figured this is cool. Our probably most loyal, some of y'all may disagree, but I would say our most loyal watcher to this point. Is Gamecock Russ and Gamecock Russ retweets our our tweet about the show pretty much every day. So yep. for today, we're gonna have the Gamecock Russ stat of the day. So <laughs> go to Twitter, follow Russ at RustyB25. This this ish is crazy. On December third, nineteen thirty two, Earl Clary, who is apparently a um, family member of Ryan and Matt Clary, who some Gamecock fans may know. Um, Ryan, I think, still does radio in the upstate. 
Matt uh, does um, eye surgery here in Columbia. Earl Clary ran for 114 yards in a 2020 tie versus Auburn. This is the only time in 12 meetings South Carolina has had a 100-yard rusher against the Tigers. Kevin Harris has run for 100 yards in the last two games, and Auburn has not allowed a 100-yard rusher all season. Ooh. So, as as much as much as Brian Matthews wants to talk down that Auburn defense and the front, the dudes still have not allowed a 100-yard rusher. Yeah. So, don't completely buy in to the fact that Auburn just sucks on defense because there hasn't been a 100-yard rusher yet. And Georgia's backs are pretty good. Yeah. So just uh, that, that's our, our Russ. And, hey, if you follow Russ because he'll throw some stats at you, man. I'm not a big stat guy. I don't go back and, and check on him like that. So Russ uh, bringing the heat there with that one, Chris. That's a nice one. Earl the Pearl Clary, which I just made up. Uh, I think I go to church with Ryan Clary's either dad or grand grandfather I met at one point. So another random fact for you. That's a great point. I did think earlier, I did not realize that stat. So that is an awesome stat. You go back to the Auburn South Carolina games in 2010 and 2011 and Marcus Lattimore, you know, did not have his best performances in those games. No fault of his own. Those were games that South Carolina didn't do as much on the ground, but the 2011 game, Lattimore was 17 for 66, so just a solid game, but not great. And then the year before, in 2012, that comeback game, Wes, that you mentioned, the Cam Newton comeback game, Lattimore was 14 for 33. You know, scored a touchdown in each of those games, but um, an SEC title game I I didn't even pull up, so I'm not sure. But I don't remember him having a huge game in that one either. So, yeah, I mean – Man, now it'll probably happen, right? 2020, Kevin Harris is going to have like 3,000 yards in the game or something just because. But, well, uh, Graham, Graham said it's going to be Colin Hill that would be the first to get 100 yard. Dude, uh, if that happens. Graham, if that happens, you got a free year on Gamecock Central. I'll give yeah. you $100 value. I'll yeah. give you a subscription yeah. right off the bat. So, And apparently, yeah. so what, what did you say – Earl Clary's nickname was Earl the Pearl, Chris. Earl the Pearl Clary. Apparently his actual nickname was the Galloping Ghost from Gaffney. Oh, yeah, that's that guy. Yeah, I've heard that nickname. Yep. So, which yeah. is way way cooler than Earl, Earl the Pearl. That's a decent nickname. Uh, <laughs> Cartwright, you're right. I was thinking Lattimore got hurt in that in that Auburn SEC title game. That That is the one, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought he got hurt in the Chick Fil A bowl. He got hurt in the FSU game. Got the mouthpiece knocked out. That's what I was thinking too. It was an Atlanta game, but I wasn't sure it was the SEC. He got hurt early in that game. Um, I don't know that he got hurt. Maybe he did, but I, I remember that. So two thousand, both of those were two thousand ten. Yeah, I remember that the game at Auburn during the regular season. Carolina hit a bunch of big plays in the passing game, yeah. but basically uh, could not run the football at all. And it, it wasn't because of Lattimore. It was just that the line, I feel like, was getting whipped by a really good Auburn front. 
So um, Lattimore, yeah, Lattimore in that SEC title game had 16 carries for 84 yards. So I think he was around. But yeah, Cartwright, I think you are thinking of another Atlanta game, which was uh, that Chick Fil A bowl, like Wes said. Cam Newton, 17 for 28, 335 yards, four touchdowns, and then 14 carries for 73 yards, two touchdowns. I remember after that game, the SEC title game. You know, because that was that was one where South Carolina. I mean, they had narrowly lost thirty five twenty seven on the plains. So it's Auburn can can Spurrier finally get an SEC title for South Carolina. It was really I remember being there. It was really something. And man, that was a deflation for for Gamecock Nation on that one. Cam Newton was an absolute. They would have him like bottled up, and he would just whoop and run for ten yards or whoop complete a pass. Yeah, Cam Cam was a freak, man. Cyborg. Uh, yeah. Still is. So, all right, y'all. I think that's going to do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon. If you're joining us late, uh, this will be archived immediately on YouTube. You can go back and watch it from the beginning. Or um, as soon as I can get it downloaded and, and then uploaded back to the podcast platforms, it will be on all of all the major podcast platforms. So, all right, y'all. Um, enjoyed it. Appreciate all the comments. Uh, some really, I, my one of my favorite parts of the show is just watching y'all, the stuff y'all say in in the chat. Um, so, and the arguments y'all have are pretty fun too. But all right, y'all. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you tomorrow. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.